everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. And I really, truly believe this, that why we struggled so much in those first two years is because we weren't thinking about the human side of our clients. We were thinking about like survival. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we are two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it's as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether that is through our venue consulting, speaking, team training. We love to motivate others to take those big leaps. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur, because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with Christy Osborne. Christy is a proud data nerd. Her agency, Mountainside Media, specialized in data-driven marketing, advertising, and research. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go back and give it a listen. All right, Dana, let's get started. One of the things I loved about Christy is very much to who, who she says she is. She's a data nerd, and I think that really came across. But I think she has some really good points, like really things to think about, like with business. Yeah. That I think even can trickle over into like personal life. I agree. I, I thought that one of the things I starting out that she said is that everybody has ideas. Like that's not the problem. And I was thinking that's absolutely the truth. Everybody does have ideas. But it's how you validate and if, if an idea is good. And she was talking about through kind of trying things and through measurement and through collecting data or data, however you say it, that it takes almost the sting of if your idea is good or bad out of it. She was actually delighted when she was wrong because it takes the burden off of her for having the best idea and, and everybody wins in the end because truly the best idea was proven by this data yeah. or whatever. And it made me think, do I actually feel this way? And I don't know if I actually... I think it depends on the idea, but sometimes there are ideas that are so personal to like your, like you've put so much energy and effort and thought behind it. Like I can see how when that fails, your immediate reaction is like, oh, well, thank God that my idea sucks and someone else's is better. And you have found the real truth of it. Like what is As your business thing. partner, I think that is true. You probably do take it a little bit more personal yeah. if it's good or bad. Right. I think for me, I'm like more married to like, the concept of something than the actual implementation of it. For an idea, it's more like this is the general idea, but it's not like fully fleshed out. Like how this gets executed, I'm not married to, but I think this is the general direction or this is the grand idea, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But it's all the little things that I like I don't, don't pertain. I don't, I don't think that I overly care about the execution if the end goal is the same. Yeah. I don't really feel that strongly. Like, I mean, I, like, what's one idea that you've had in our business that you're like, this is an amazing idea and it just sucked? I mean, I guess like most recently is probably going through this hiring guide. Like, I did some research on it and I created a template for it in Canva and we put it together. And it's possible we might have to redo the whole thing. 
Well, I mean, we don't have to redo the content. The yeah. content's there, which is what took the most time was creating the content. It wasn't hard to stick it into a template. Like that wasn't like the hard thing. Like yeah. the words are there, the ideas are there, the structure's there. Speak for yourself. But the execution of it was just, a lot of it was just limited, my limited knowledge to be truthful. But I wasn't upset about it. Yeah. When they're like, oh, this isn't going to work. I was like, kind of like, well, that's kind of annoying. But I wasn't like, I don't, I don't want to push forward with it because I feel so strongly about this template that's going to be successful because I, I'm hearing someone say this isn't going to be successful. Like you're going to have more questions in the end. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely like a, oh, that sucks that I wasn't right about that. But it, I wasn't yeah. upset that I wasn't right about it. I was glad that someone was guiding me in the right way. Yeah. But I've always felt that way about, about ideas. Like I do, I do love the ideas that I have and I want to try them, but I feel like if we've tried them or if we have an outside opinion coming in and saying, this isn't going to work because I've tried this and X, Y, Z, and here's a better path to it. I don't have a problem letting it go. Like I really don't. If I feel like we've done it, I have a problem with when we have an idea and then we half-ass it and then someone says, that was a terrible idea. I'm like, well, you don't know it was a terrible idea because you freaking half-ass executed it. So mm -hmm. it could be a great idea and it could not be a great idea. Right, with poor execution. Right. So, and I and I think that for me, like execution issues for me always comes down to money. To me, there's multiple things. Are you, is it not executed well because of maybe it's the marketing, maybe it's how you're selling it, whatever the case may be. Or it comes down to a price, right? And so mm -hmm. there's there's too many variables to figure out where is the breakdown happening. And I always go to price first when I don't think that's necessarily correct. But like when I think about like our luxury collection at the Bradford, think about that sell, think about how we're doing that. And I understand the reason why we why the price is what it is. But I firmly believe that's the reason why it won't get booked. The year will not be booked out. Well, yeah, but I think price equates to value. I know, but it's hard because if you don't believe in it and, like, the people selling it don't really believe in the value of it, it's hard to, really it's hard to sell it. Right, for right? sure. And it's hard to sell something that hasn't happened yet. Like, you're like, we have this product. Be the first one to spend all this money on this product. You know what I mean? I'm also curious, too, like, when she has an idea and she's like – okay, we're going to try this for a week or that for a week. Like, if I'm on the fence as to whether or not something's going to work, already I'm kind of like, I'm not going to put my full into it That's just for it to someone. fail. That's why you hire someone to do it. But she, that session I went to, it was a lot about like A-B testing. So mm -hmm. they would, they'd have two ads going at the same time and then they would determine who, like, was this A better, B better? And then once they figured that out, then they put more energy into that path. Mm -hmm. So there's like multiple things. It's not like you're doing like full on mar like full on marketing campaign campaigns and not knowing how it's gonna right. And there's like a lot of like testing that goes around and yeah. kind of like what she was saying, like finding, you know, what are your people saying? Like what what should your message be? What is your story? How are you storytelling? And, you know, yeah. And putting bits of it out there and seeing how people are reacting to it. And then once you have some data on how people are reacting to it, you can kind of create that full story. Yeah. I really loved her idea and I never even thought about it was to look at your competitors' negative reviews. And so people are saying to that and like she made some, she kind of started talking about it, how, you know, you look at what you do best, you look at what your competitor, competitor does best. And she said, let them have that slice of pie, mm -hmm. like give them that. Where is the gap and can you fill that gap well? Yeah. 
And, and I loved that idea of looking at, okay, this is who I consider a competitor and I'm seeing on their reviews that they don't have a venue supervisor, a venue concierge or whatever the case may be. And, you know, saying, but we do do that. And like accenting that and making sure people recognize that this is how we're different. But that was great advice. I thought it was great advice, but then it also really made me think about because when I'm analyzing yeah. it and something and it doesn't necessarily have to be, and I think that this is truly valuable. And when she's talking about analyzing your competition, it doesn't even have to be competition. It could just be a business that you maybe don't like mm-hmm. and asking yourself, like, why don't you like that person? Like, what are, what are they missing in the market that you can learn from? And I feel that a lot in my personal life. It's like, I come across somebody who rubs me the wrong way and I'm like, why do they rub me the wrong way? Like, yeah. is that a trait? Is it because I do that and I'm seeing it in myself? I do think sometimes that's the case is something's rubbing you the wrong way because it's a reflection. Right. And sometimes and, I think it's uh, people rub you the wrong way just because they're a little obtuse. They don't see how they're coming across. Right. You know? Yeah. Which I'm sure everyone is at some point sure. to somebody else. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that's a very uh, deep thought. So if you were to go around and write negative reviews about interactions you haven't loved with people and then mm-hmm. reflecting on those. It's like, do I do the same do thing? Do I do the same thing? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody does everything at some point, but it's like, is that how you relate to people? Like we have some est people in our family mm-hmm. and I am very conscientious to not use Ests. Mm-hmm. I don't really ever describe anything as the best or the worst. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just not that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Even in what I would consider really hard years, I wouldn't be like, that was the worst year of my life. How would I know? Well, I mean, at that moment, you should know whether it was the worst year of your life. My thing would be that I notice other people doing. Like oh. when I'm talking to them and I'm mm-hmm. like, if I were to write a review about you, I'm like, you're an Est person. And I've been in so many conversations mm-hmm. where it's like, that was the worst, that was the worst, that was the worst. I mean, right. we were just down in Florida recently, mm-hmm. and there was someone telling me that it was the worst year. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you said that the year before and the year before that, mm-hmm. right? How can you have three worst years in a row? Mm-hmm. So on the flip side of that, when I'm describing my experiences or my years or whatever, I just don't weight them that way. Like, mm-hmm. this is the best, this is the worst. That was a good year, this was a bad year, this is a difficult year, but I'm not like a... Est. Right. So the so then the question is, were you an S person before? That's what I'm saying is like there's is there something that you've seen in somebody that's like made you change who you were because you recognize that like, oh, I don't want to be that person. I can't say that. I mean, maybe, but I'm saying um, for my example, it's more just out of observation. Right. From so you don't other ever want to be that I S. don't want to be that person. Yeah. Right. That that's I fair. that I am very careful about the words that I use because I know what it sounds like on the other end when someone's like, this is the worst year. And I'm like, that's the fifth time you've told me that, mm-hmm. you know, or this is the worst thing or whatever. Right. Makes me, it makes what you say less valid. Like mm-hmm. it ha- carries less weight mm-hmm. to me. Like you just are hyperbolic at that point. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't want to come across as that. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> all right. So let's get back to the topic at hand. <laughs> um, I think, and I think this kind of even still kind of, is on the same train of thought. The whole purpose is like analyze your business, analyze your your integral core, like, you know, that touch yeah. point that you use, like what is it the message you're trying to tell? I think that you're tapping into humanity, right? You're not 
And I, I agree. Like when I think back to like, what is our, what is our core value? There's, there's values, there's core aesthetic. Like Mm -hmm. this is the, this is the feel we try to get with the, the, um, architecture and the design or whatever. And we do have a very core integral core for that. It feels very well defined. Right. But then there's also that core value piece of it. And I think it, for us, like what we recognize is and it took us a while to get to that core mm-hmm. value. It's not like we open up the Bradford, we're like, we're going to be the best in hospitality. And that's our thing, right? Yeah. This was like years into it because we started acknowledging the humanity of our clients. And mm-hmm. I loved how she said that. Like once you can acknowledge the humanity and you give them agency. Then it's like you're just having a conversation yes. with them. Right? And it's like then, a person. Right. It's a person. And then you you have that. That's where the marketing like. Right. Oh, you need this. I have this. Right. right. That kind right. of connection. Yeah, and I love that. And I think it's, um, I think it's so true. Yeah. In that, that, and, and it, but it's, I think it's hard to do as well. Like, it's hard to find that spot as a new, as an entre- as a new business owner, entrepreneur, because, like I said, it wasn't something that was we just did. Right. It took because right, I think when we got started, it. it was like, I'm interacting with you in a transactional way. I want your money because I need it so I can continue building my business. But it's not like we didn't build the venue because for an altruistic reason, we didn't build it because we're like, oh my God, it's gonna be so much fun. Like I remember like uh, sitting on the back porch with my husband talking about this plan that you've convinced me to do and I have to convince him to do it at this point, Mm -hmm. right? Because I have to convince him to spend our money to do this. That it was like, this is our retirement plan. Right. Like, this is going to give us, and I said this, I literally said this is going to give us financial freedom by doing this. Yeah. And sure, there's a passion there. Sure, I wanted to help people. But the truth is, and the truth for anyone going into business, it's not because you have this part of it. There is a part of it that's because you have this amazing product. But part of it is because you want that financial freedom. You want that financial success so that you can do all the other things in your life that you want to do. Right. So I think for a while, when you start your business, there isn't that humanity piece to it. It's just a financial piece to it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think back to some of our very first clients at the Bradford, I wasn't, I mean, we were doing the best that we could do, but I certainly wasn't thinking about things from our client's perspective. Oh, not at all. I, I was like our very first client that we had, which is the wedding we don't talk about. Yeah. And we had this planner open house the day before because we did everything really close together because we, we were like, you know, scrambling to finish, right? So I remember it, it rained terribly the day of the planner open house and it was not well attended, but we had these, at the time, we had these beautiful linens, right? And they were, we had all set up in the house. We didn't have it set up in the ballroom because the ballroom was still kind of like, we were still finishing the things that needed to happen. And this client was like a pain to begin with. Like she just was just so frustrating to work with. And she wouldn't listen to anything we said, right? Like did not value our opinion and had like the just super cheap, like, Everything was like DIY, like wouldn't rent linens because we had an exclusive partnership with CE Rental at this time and wouldn't rent linens. We weren't making money on that, which is super frustrating. The buying like crappy, mm-hmm. like, you know, dollar store linens, or whatever. And I remember they were supposed to come for the rehearsal and we were like, should we break down these tables? And we were like, no, like they should see what they could have had. <laughs> like what an asshole thing that to sounds do. sounds very petty. It was so petty. <laughs> Such an asshole thing to do when I think <laughs> back on it. And, of course, they were upset that the house still had tables from the previous mm-hmm. event in there. <laughs> it was not, like, it, 
So it was it was never I don't about, even remember that. I have so many like blank spaces as related <laughs> to this time in our life. But like it's just I feel like and I really truly believe this that why we struggled so much in those first two years is because we weren't thinking about the human side of our clients. We were thinking about like survival. No, and I'm not and I'm not yeah. going back and saying it was wrong. I'm just I mean it was wrong, but I'm I'm not saying I don't under I understand the context of mm-hmm. it. I get why we were doing it. But and why we were behaving that way, but it also made me realize, like as we as success started really happening, and the success really started happening when we hired Bailey, who was the most personable person, yeah, who really honestly showed us what hospitality was and what it should be, and I think we can credit a lot of that to her and how much of a game changer it was. And we realized these are this is not just transactions; these are mm-hmm. people, yeah, and. Who have entrusted you with what they consider to be, at this point, the most important day of their life. Yeah, but I mean, it is, and it it is. It's, yeah. It is the start of everything. Whether, I mean, I know you can argue like, oh, my child being born is the most important day. No, I mean, if you, the day, whether it's a, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a commitment that you're going to, you're going to have a life together, like that's an important day. It's, it is the start of the rest of, of your, your story. Right yeah. with this person, or the beginning of the end. You don't no, know where these like, things go. You know, like where you're building <laughs> this family and this. I don't know. So I know you don't think wedding days are the most important day of your life, but I look back on my wedding day and I do think that. I really do. Like it's a day when like life started. It's very sweet. Yeah, I mean, and I've had lots you're of so sentimental. But I've had lots of meaningful days. Like I have, you know. But I yeah. still think it's it is this it is the start of our family. Like, yeah, you know. So anyways, I thought I love that. I felt like that is – I wish she was around when we were started and mm-hmm. that advice was given to us because I think it's I don't think we were even really valid. thinking about marketing at that point again. Like it was so far yeah. from our mind. I mean we were because we had to like book it, but it, we didn't know how to do it. Yeah. We just had Facebook. We didn't understand We had some Instagram, message. I think. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't understand we had a message. We were like, here's a picture. Book your space. <laughs> I know. We that have should space. be enough. What do you mean this isn't enough for you? I know, I know. All right. But I thought that was great. And I love Christy. Go check her out. She is such a uh, wealth of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. Agreed. All around, not just in the industry. Just she works with all types of people. She's the best. I think we got to end on our uh, fuck up of the week. Oh, fuck up of the week. Let's talk about that. What's going on this week? I really actually don't have one. You've had a perfect week? I haven't had a perfect week, but I don't really have one where I felt like I had like fucked something up. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like my fuck up of the week is again just literally my fuck up of the year is just like everything just piling on top of everything. Not on delegating. Top of everything, on top of everything and not delegating. Yes. You delegate. Yes, where I just try you to do all of it and then I get to the point of overwhelm. It's the assumptions. In fact, I try to drop my children off on Sunday to a friend of ours. Her son was having a 13th birthday party and I got dressed and everything and I planned on going. And I haven't seen her in a while. And she said, how are you? And I just started crying because mm-hmm. I was so overwhelmed. And she I was like, I don't know. I just need to go home and, like, take control of something, clean a bathroom. I don't know. I feel out of control. And she was like, go do that. I have the kids. So much so that she sent me flowers the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that even super women need flowers, too, which I thought mm-hmm. was super sweet. But I was sweet. like, clearly I'm giving off the overwhelmed vibes. Mm-hmm. Thanks 
Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about The Hustle. For our episode with Christy, we are drinking a Campari and soda. We hope you get the chance to make it this week, and cheers to being true to your core values. To learn more and connect with Christy, you can check her business on Instagram at mtnsidemediaco, and you can visit the website mountainsidemedia.com. And to learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, and at Hustle & Gather. If you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head over to our website at hustleandgather.com. Also, if you love us and you love this show, we would be more than honored if you left us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle & Gather.